I think it's very important that we're open to hearing different perspectives, hearing different views, because I think that that broadens our worldview. We all have something to learn and we all have something to teach and it's our responsibility for each one to teach one. Just the fact that I treated them the same as I would treat someone my age. So I think that's the most important thing, respect. And I remember a guy telling me, hey, you know, this is the first time someone's spoken to me in five weeks, which to me is crazy. And just to bring everyone together, and that's what we want, kind of uniting everyone. I often just come back to our energy is, you know, like the universal law, it can't be created or destroyed, only transferred. Welcome to the Making of a Hoodie podcast. Well, welcome to Making of a, of a Hoodie podcast. And today we are focusing in on making a hoodie about ambassadors, about ambassadors of equality, about people that stand up to be mentors and try and see change through their own imagination and then go out and do it and, and make it come to life. And I'm very excited today to be able to have the chance to hang out with Steph Beck, who has become a pretty serious ambassador in the AIM world. And Steph, we're really excited to hear your story today. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jack. Um, Yeah, I'm super excited to, I guess, bring forward some of my story, but also nervous. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, when I look back um, to when I first landed in Townsville about three and a half years ago, I would never in a million years have imagined I'd have the role of Vice-Chancellor of Imagination University. First of all, that wasn't even a thing. Um, but for myself, yeah, it was just something I just wouldn't have ever thought would be possible. Well, I, I think, like, from what I can see, you're the first Aboriginal Vice-Chancellor of a university. What does that feel like? Um, yeah, a lot of things sort of come forward with that. Um, first of all, like when you asked me to about the role, if I was willing to accept it, um, I just returned home from a trip to Kagali for the first time in um, three and a half years. And it gave me like this opportunity to really kind of reflect on not only what I had achieved since leaving um since leaving Cal and starting a new kind of journey in my own life for the benefit of myself and my kids, um, but also just exactly what it is I want to do with the rest of my time. Like my brother's um, pretty sick, so that's why I went for a trip back home and just looking at the value of time um, from his perspective was um, something that I knew that I want to be doing something super meaningful with the rest of my time that I have. Um, on this planet and I feel like this role allows me to do that as well and also um, connect with people that have the same kind of values and vision and wanting to create change and um, a fairer world and just finding a way through that. So I think I've learnt um, quite a bit from the obstacles that I've had to overcome um, to live the life that I wanted and just being able to be in a position to connect with other people that might may find themselves without hope and in some points of you know real struggle in their life to reactivate some areas that could be super helpful for them, but also their communities, because that's kind of the way that, that it works when you're 
working in like this relational network. The way that we um, kind of operate is teaching people um, how to think and not necessarily what to think. And on those, we have professors um, who are our puppets, um, the professors under each of our knowledge areas, which is um, imagination, to be able to think differently and design, but utilising that in a way that's focused on alleviating educational inequity. Wait, did you just say puppet to the professors? What's it like learning from a puppet? What's that experience like? It's um, it's great because it removes, um, I guess, it takes you into another space so that you can um, start thinking differently about some of the things that you may have as just ingrained biases or you feel like an absolute reality for you. You're talking about me? Oh, sorry, guys. Uh, Professor Hope's just joined the um, the call. You might not be able to tell much of a difference between my voice and this is me, Jack. And hello, I'm Professor Hope. But, um, oh, my gosh, you're talking about me, Steph, on this podcast and it's you are, You have been the best boss that I have had. You know, as a, as a vice chancellor, you're, you're exceptional to work with. The deadlines are a little bit tight sometimes, but I feel like <laughs> we're delivering in our knowledge fields and, yeah, excited to work with you. Just on the deadlines, um, I think it's expected. There's a lot of work when you're trying to change the world, so just feeling okay um, will change the way the world works. Feeling okay about that is um, definitely a skill. <laughs> I get, like, sometimes a little bit confused in life because I just assume everyone's sort of like you, Steph, like, you know, or that, that we just want to try and do our best. We want to try and help people if we can. Um, and so the idea of being an ambassador of equality, I feel like that that human beings, that all of us want to be ambassadors of equality, sometimes just how we're networked, like means we're distracted during the day or during a year or during a lifetime. Yeah, a lot of what's kind of been coming through for me when talking to people like internally, externally as well, um, is we have an understanding of what it is that we want to do and that can go into some very kind of abstract um, areas because it's so broad, but finding a way to figure out how to do it is, I guess, the key because there's, I guess when you go into imagination and you're thinking this is what I want to do, how am I going to do it, and you activate ideas um, you have so many options to choose from, but how do you know which one's going to work? Um, so how do you create equality is, um, I guess, a big kind of learning process as well because, you know, at the moment we find ourselves in these um, systems and structures where you often don't have the options and choices to do things that you want and how do you find your way around those bureaucratic um, processes and... <coughs> Um, yeah, I think what we're doing um, at AIM is kind of removing those barriers and giving people a little bit more focused um, attention on frameworks that we've used on how um, this has worked for us. How can this work in, in your own world? Hello, I'm Mia. I'm zooming in from um, the beautiful Ghana country um, and I'm an educator here at YouThink um, and I get to work with these amazing legends every day. Hi, I'm Abby. Um, I attend YouThink on Ghana land and I am a student here. Hi, my name is Aston. I'm a graduate from YouThink and I am on Ghana country.
we're, we're actually kind of um, proposing to open a separate campus, a campus that has a bit more of a focused approach to um, making space for young people who really want to create change and, you know, kind of work towards building a fairer world. It's been so inspired by AIM and Emergent Strategy um, and really speaks to like a lot of the things you just said, I guess, really about just making the space for unlikely connections to occur and, and kind of really flipping that script on that, like everything we do has to be big and grand and address the problem at the biggest scale and is really inspired by like Adrian Marie's Brown work, you know, and understanding fractals that like, you know, like let's start with what we can do here now, like small is all, small is good. Like, and, and those those will create patterns that create big change. Um, so essentially, like, we want to spend this year working together to, you know, co-create a change studio. Like, um, the harnesses, all the, all the magic of the stuff we've been doing in this school through the last two years, but like a dedicated physical space for that, um, which is exciting. Oh, it's really enriching. Even just the words that come out of Nia, it just, Personally, it gives me the sense of hope for future generations to come, especially having a physical space for everyone to be welcomed and just express themselves and contribute to the community. It's a massive thing. It's a, it's a huge undertaking. And um, I'm just happy to, you know, be working with Nia. Um, I call Nia my teacher. She was never technically my teacher, but <laughs> I think that that is a, you know, a perfect way to describe her because I just learned so much from her. Um, and like, I just get to be surrounded by such inspiring people. And I'm just so happy to be a part of all of this. Well, kia ora everyone. Uh, my name is Eddie. Uh, my name is Eddie Whitty. I, uh, I'm a Samoan, but i uh, born and raised in New Zealand. Um, things I guess that I, I guess to explain a little bit about who I am and, and what I'm really passionate about is probably the first thing is, is family. Um, I've always been really connected with um, my mom, dad, I've got two brothers, two sisters, um, and I've always been a really tight-knit family. Um, and I think probably one of the things that I really learned, um, I guess, in, in our family and, and the things that have been really important to us is just that um, we always uh, find ways to support others and, and, and um, you know, that the world is much bigger than just our own world and that there's people around us that uh, we can support. And I, I think, um, yeah, I think I, I learned that from a pretty early age from my mom and dad. And so I guess... Um, and then that's really, I guess, what led into to what I'm what I'm doing at the moment, and what I'm really passionate about is is supporting people that are doing it tough. So um, I'm part of uh, I run an organisation in New Zealand called uh, Orange Sky New Zealand, and we provide free uh, washing and showers to people that are doing it tough, whether it's people on the streets or whether it's um, you know families that have been doing it tough since COVID. I'm just really keen to you know just make sure everyone has access to even just the basic needs. Hi, my name is Menika and I'm in Melbourne, also called Nam. I carry a lot of the baggage of being a person of colour, so I like to talk about that a lot. And I came to Australia when I was nine, so I've lived in quite a few different countries. So I was born in Sri Lanka and then I lived in Hong Kong, England, moved to Australia when I was nine, then I finished high school and then I went straight to uni just because uh, my parents had been to uni and I guess that's the only sort of path that I saw myself doing. So I did, um, did a Bachelor of Science and did a Diploma of Spanish um, and then decided that I was really sick of my life and I wanted to change. So I moved to Japan, lived there for five years, taught as an English teacher. That was such a great experience. Um, opened my mind to uh, obviously teaching but also 
interacting with people from different cultures and I love that and I thought at first I was like oh I think I might become a teacher but then when I did this for five years I was like oh no I don't think I want to be a teacher as much as I want to work in an organization where I get to work with people from different cultures so lived around a bit and um, I think that is really important um, for my identity because I feel like only people who have lived in lots of different countries can also understand this this um, unsettled feeling that I have constantly and just um, also very easy to connect with people from different countries but somewhat hard to connect with people from, from my same country who haven't had those experiences. Let's um this is a podcast where we make a hoodie and that's the, the title of it. And I'm here today with Steph Beck, who's a, the Vice Chancellor of Imagination University. And Steph, you're working on gathering and bringing together a thousand ambassadors around the world to be ambassadors of equality with AIM. And that's what this hoodie is going to help support, activate, inspire, connect. So let's um let's cue the music. Now we're going to enter into the Imagination Design Lab and we're going to start making this hoodie. So I've got a few questions for you. Um, have you thought of a sense of, uh, of an object uh, or something in this universe that you think is an energy inspirer that we should sort of think of as we're, we're designing this hoodie? Yeah, I always, when I do meditation, um, which I'm still just learning how to kind of tap into all of that thinking and space as well, um, but I usually do it barefoot um, so that I'm grounding and earthing. And how I kind of imagine the planet is like this big battery, which essentially it is because there's all of this energy in there. We've got it flowing in all of these networks and systems. And yeah, if we... Um, imagine like where we're drawing our energy from like I kind of visualize it as I'm sitting in the sun eyes closed taking in energy from the sun and then it's like going through my body into the ground like where does that all go and I often just come back to like energy is you know like the universal law it can't be created or destroyed only transferred so and that's in like any area whether it's positive or negative so when I'm kind of out in the world I kind of see you know my impact am I creating a negative energy transfer to people or is that one going to be something positive it kind of grounds me a little bit as well like especially doing this work because you know that everything you're doing is going to go somewhere regardless because that's just the natural law of energy have you got a sense of of a thinker or a book uh, or a text that we could use as a reference or, or maybe a few that you think could be good references to help inspire this audience that have inspired you to to be an ambassador and, and ask other people to join you as ambassadors of equality? Yeah, at the moment I am uh, reading The NeverEnding Story and I had this real moment of feeling like I was going to be drawn into that book just like Bastion. Um, and I was also working on a painting as well. So I think story um, is something that's got my mind kind of wondering about like where my story has come from and how I'm impacting on other people's stories or helping to develop and build those stories. Um, but I also started doing this picture, um, this painting um, where I'm calling it the, the journey or finding the way. And it's this 
um, almost watercolour background in acrylics with lots of dots kind of laid upon that. And then I wanted like this through line that connected from one side to the other. Um, and as I'm doing it, like there's so many different ways that I could go, but I've got to look at what's already there so that it fits in with what I'm doing. And I got almost to the end of the canvas and I was quite happy with it because it was just light pastels and pinks and whites. Um, and then this piece of black paint that was stuck on my art table got stuck to the canvas and I was like so upset. But I thought, <clears throat> this is actually life. Like this is what has happened to me. You have like an idea of where you're going and then suddenly you know, someone throws some black paint on it. But I've built it out um, actually. So I went with the flow turning obstacles <laughs> into opportunities and I'm really quite happy with it. So it's gonna have within the black portions, I'm gonna put all of these bright colors because you know I've been into the depths of um, like depression and had so many kind of struggles throughout my life, but I've learned from those as well. And um, I think for me at least is um, when you learn from trauma or things that have impacted your life negatively, that's where some of the pain kind of starts to be released because it's not as if any of those things have happened to you for nothing. And yeah, I, I think um, that's, yeah, that's helping me a lot at the moment, just embracing just the journey, I guess. It's not, um, that's part of life. You're gonna have obstacles and understanding that that's part of the process or makes it a little easier when you get um, speed bumps or black paint thrown on your canvas. It's a hard thing, don't you reckon, like imagination when you've got, um, when you're eating a diet of fear uh, and a lot of the news cycles that we get, are, you know, they're heightened at the best of times and then I think that a number of the social platforms are very unhealthily designed to sort of send us towards more extremes all the time. So how do you go about thinking, Abby and Aston, about, you know, imagination or bringing people together, um, which I think are like the most fundamental things. But how do you navigate that with an information flow which can um, can throw you off balance? Because it's hard to be imaginative when you're afraid. Basically, yeah. I, no, it definitely makes it harder because I myself get caught up in a lot of the whirlwind of the news cycle and, um, you know, there's just so much happening at the moment. It's hard not to. Um, and especially when, you know, you want for the world to be better and then you're just seeing things get worse and worse. Um, it can be kind of uh, paralyzing and debilitating. It makes you feel as though you can't really, um, you know, do much and you feel bad almost for having success or for like achieving things and imagining a better world because it's like there's so much horrible stuff happening. Um, and yeah, I, I completely agree with that sentiment that like social media we need to use it more wisely, I think, because um, there's a whole culture of like, um, although it's it's incredibly great that there's a culture of like, you know, sharing and amplifying different causes and voices. I think that that's amazing, but there's also the downfall of like people feeling as though they have to be on top of everything, which is just not humanly possible. Um, and I think that that's created a lot of problems because people are speaking on issues that they don't know anything about and then misinformation is spread. Um, so I just think there's, yeah, it's a, it's a lot. And I think young people are in a weird situation where they almost feel that they have to do it. Um, otherwise they're an outcast or they're just, they don't care or whatever. 
I think coming into this, you need to have an open, open mind and an open heart. Um, a lot of distractions are out in the world and facing them. And I think everyone just needs to have that hope. And I think through this, we have that power to create that hope for everyone. We're seeing it change so quickly with TikTok um, is a great example of like something that's really changing our attention spans and then kind of directing us into sort of like echo chambers. So we become involved in like a whole, you know, whole of like stuff that we care about. And then we suddenly think because everyone else on our For You page is sharing the same views and opinions that we are the majority, when in actuality, it could be that we are not. Um, And that can be very toxic. I think it's very important that we're open to, like Abby said, having an open mind and like, you know, hearing different perspectives, hearing different views, because I think that that broadens our worldview and helps us to understand better the world around us because otherwise we're just lying to ourselves um, absolutely yeah absolutely and I think part of like you can't you can't be across everything Aston like I can't none of us can Abby can't they can't like we can't possibly be um we can't represent every cause equally we can't understand every cause equally but we can be kind I guess, you know, we talk about the basic needs and, and I think it's a really important part of what we provide is the, the washing and the showers. But really, I think the main goal um, of, of, what we're try- of, of what we want to try to achieve is, is to just to connect people. And, and one of the biggest things that we've always seen is, is just the loneliness that people are experiencing. I remember um, just even here, so I live in South Auckland, um, and just to see even in my own community, people that were sleeping on the streets, people sleeping in their cars. But one of the biggest things was that there's just, um, you, you know, that that um, that no one really takes the time to even connect with them or say hi. And I remember a guy telling me, hey, you know, this is the first time someone's spoken to me in five weeks, which to me is crazy that like, um, yeah, that someone in my own backyard is, is experiencing that. And so what we do when we go out on shift is um, the first thing we do is we just pull out some chairs and we provide a space, like a, a space for people to come and connect and, and feel safe. And look, we refer to everyone that uses our service as friends. And it's really all about, um, you know, and, and I know for me personally, that's, that's so much more than just a word. Like if, if you come out and see us just um, and just the relationships that our volunteers and that we've been able to build uh, with the people that are using our service, um, you know, it just really starts to break, break down those stigmas or those walls, um, I guess, that we've built around people that are experiencing homelessness. So, yeah, just really keen to just come and crash that down and, um, you know, just, just make sure if, uh, everyone has an opportunity to feel some love and, and be connected. Um, I did a lot of volunteer work during the past two years, and unfortunately that had to be all online, but that was such a wonderful experience. So I did volunteering with refugee youth at the Centre for Multicultural Youth, um, and I also work with girls in the foster care system. Um, I'm also doing some work with refugee adult ladies so trying to help them get work. It was just nice to be part of a community and help other people, but also I feel like I didn't really helped them as much as I got helped. So it was a, it was like a two-way thing. I was thinking as, you know, how would you, without trying to get in the design like too quickly, but that idea of energy flow um, and that your energy is always going somewhere, kind of thinking about the canvas of a hooded sweatshirt and going, oh man, wouldn't it be interesting, so fascinating if you could somehow create some sort of portal into it or some sort of sense that you're 
that it's the space in between. Maybe we make it, try and make it out of mycelium as the cloth. Like, and maybe that's, uh, you know, you're wearing that and when, you, when you're putting your feet on the ground, you're grounded to the oldest, oldest multicellular um, you know, network in the world or continuous multicellular network in the world. Yeah, um, and I love uh, the mycelium idea for building the actual hoodie. I've just touched on some of that this year and learned that, you know, mycelium has this external digestion um, where it kind of lays in its food. Um, and humans took a different route for internal. But I think what we kind of don't see is digestion of other things like knowledge. And, you know, if we have a cycle where we digest knowledge and then put it back out into the world, um, that's kind of been closed off in terms of like education. Like it's not, um, it's not open and distributed the way that it was back when you know, Indigenous people here in Australia were living for 60,000 odd years. Um, and I feel like having that disconnect also disconnects us as people. So we don't have those conversations and relationships so maybe viewing ourselves in terms of you know, how we um, take in knowledge and then redistribute it um, in the same way that mycelium does with nutrients for trees and everything else that it's kind of connected to. Yeah, that's really cool. And like, I love the idea that it's potentially the barefoot hoodie as well. Like, so it might have some instructions. This is how this hoodie should be worn. Like, you know, take your shoes off. Yeah, think the about and the space between you and the sun and how you're getting your energy. Yeah, and you and and it could be you know the the hoodie in itself could be an energy like meditative experience. It could it can be a teacher and it could pass on those lessons. Yeah, I love then, that. You know, there was this phase with um, when shoes came in, um, like when they were literally insulated from um, the planet and removing ourselves from what we call nature, even though we're kind of part of it, you know, we're part of this whole universe. Um, yeah, I think that's really great. And you can also think about that space between and um, get an understanding of all the things that we don't get to perceive as humans, but things that are there between us and the sun. Maybe the logic thread then stands that what you're doing with this hoodie, Steph, is reminding us that being an ambassador of equality is a natural human law, that that's actually what we do and it's what we have done. And the best societies have achieved peace, Indigenous, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander groups and you know, long systems, 60,000 to 80,000 years, almost perfected peace in lots of different societal design. To live with peace, to live in, in harmony with nature, to live equally, and I think part of the space between is the space between now and yesterday and a long time yesterday when we've just mm -hmm. we've forgotten some very smart intelligence which is sitting there. So then we put our, it's a barefoot hoodie, we take our shoes off and we go and stand on the ground. And then when we're standing on the ground, we remember natural laws. And they're already there. They're already in us. Totally. Um, and <clears throat> yes, and to offer like another kind of point for this through line is when people, I guess, See, I see some of the problems, and this is for me personally um, as well, is that I've had some of that understanding taken away from me. So through stolen generation, um, I literally don't know how the world works. So I want to be able to change it, but I can't see my place in that. And when I talk to my 11-year-old daughter about like what it means to be Indigenous for me, 
um, trying to explain that to her is a big kind of concept. So I kind of landed on this thing the other day and it's like if you have 60,000 years of knowledge that's transferred and these are like terabytes, it's not a small amount of data um, through story and ceremony and relationships, that's a pretty incredible thing because we were able to be custodians um, for the land and have um, just this ongoing, just prospering, um, I don't know if it's society, but we'll just say people, um, across that length of time, which is so long for a lot of people to even understand. Um, and, yeah, for me, I said to her, for me, being Indigenous means that I've got a direct connection to people who knew how the world worked and now we're in this space of disinformation, not knowing, unsure, I don't even know where my food and my water comes from, like super basic things, and we're living in these um, cities because we're almost forced to and you know, working to pay tax so the government can kind of tell us what to do. But maybe it's like the, the last step is if you want to be a global ambassador of equality, um, you know, what you want to do, but you don't know how to do it. This is to change the way you think about the world so that you can get a better understanding of systems thinking, like locally to you, so taking that big broad zoom out and then finding ways to better understand how systems are impacting um, you personally and your community. Now, one of the beautiful tricks the very clever intelligence of Indigenous systems thinking, I think, is that it's not only held by humans. I think that's a, the misnomer is that it's an oral tradition passed on just from human to human. It goes into the ground. It goes into the stories and the song lines of our animals. It goes into our totemic system for us, which is our, our family's from is the Jamban. So it helps you think about your connection to the platypus, which may be an uncle or an auntie or another ancestor. And it goes into the stars. Like, that is what I think is really profound about where you've sort of taken us with this hoodie design, Steph, is by I've never really thought about it this way before, but by being in bare feet, by having potentially a cloth made of mycelium on you and on your skin, you're invoking and calling in the skin of all of the genetic code that's sitting underneath the Earth's surface. And that is where all of us go to. That's where we all end up. So all of our beings, all of our memories, all our stories are in the ground or they're in the ocean. And, and that, that I think is the, the most powerful, wonderful thing of Indigenous systems thinking is it's interconnected. It's a story that then engages the star, which helps you map in this way, which then connects to the rivers and the way the rivers run, which connects to the animals and everything is interconnected. So when colonial empires came in and thought they were going to destroy Indigenous systems thinking by killing the people, they can't because it's it's already been placed in all when you talk about the um the terabytes like we already had our servers our servers are the trees our servers are the stars our servers are the earth around us it's everywhere so the, the opportunity to be an ambassador of equality to connect with natural laws is take your shoes off and stand on the ground i met with vic stephenson probably like a year ago now and like i've had this moment in my life where i was kind of in mourning for never being able to um you know hear my grandmother's stories and her mother's stories and just trying to figure out how to come to terms with that um but when i met victor who does uh, uh fire stick farming um in cans i i kind of mentioned this to him and he said it's never gone like it's in the land you learn from it and i think um you know, that was 
I almost started crying when I when he told me that and I just dived into a lot of Tyson's work as well um, to understand it and I feel like now I'm at the point where I haven't been prouder of being an Indigenous person even though I don't have all those stories I know that I'm still connected to it and it's still there um, but also with um, colonisation I think when at a glance when you look at Indigenous culture across the country and what they saw happening, it was misinterpreted because of the complexity and um, just the processes that we had in place were not, they couldn't be understood by lineal um, thinking. So when people, I guess, take back their own responsibility for understanding that, um, you'll find that you probably connect to it more than you do to the currently outward-facing narrative that we have in Australia. Abby and Aston, is there anything that you'd like to see on this ambassador hoodie so that this hoodie would be the one that people would be able to engage with and, and, and connect with to then support the thousand ambassadors um, doing this work with AIM globally? Something that I mentioned to Nia yesterday is I love the idea of like the word iridescence to me speaks to like i feel as though us as people we're all iridescent like from different perspectives people can view us differently like i think that um you know we're multi-dimensional like as people uh we're not just one thing and i think it's important that we recognize that um it kind of goes into that you know discussion around like um inter intersectionality um and I would love to maybe, Nia mentioned it yesterday when I was, um, not yesterday, sorry, on Tuesday, when I was talking about iridescence, um, the idea of like having sort of like a patch of uh, material that kind of re is reflective. Um, and I, I love that whole concept. But also, if you look up iridescence on Google images, um, there's just beautiful colors. And I think it kind of matches with um, AIM's sort of branding, which I know is like evolving and changing, but um, I just love the colors that are used. Okay, consider, consider that in the lab, except, <laughs> except as, yeah. as a challenge. An iridescent patch, maybe it's like there's a letter on it. We sew it on, people could take the letter off. Oh my goodness. Yes. Incredible. Oh, I love that idea in general. And what you just came up with, because I think of this as a very um, life-changing thing. Um, this is something that everyone can adapt to and you've got things that come off and come on. I think that really represents the person in their raw. So, and I think that needs to be highlighted and appreciated. I'm going to tie in another idea that Ashton shared to me and something I think like like just circling back to something you said like I like I've always my, my parents are like really involved in the anti-apartheid movement and you know each one teach one was a big kind of saying and, and I think that's like that speaks to mentorship to me like you said it's a two-way street like we all have something to learn and we all have something to teach and it's our responsibility for each one to teach one um and what that links to is Aston shared an idea also of like a hand drop in some seeds. And I think seeds are such a beautiful representation of that because, yeah, it's, you know, like everything, all that possibility is held within the seed, but it, it takes like a whole heap of conditions and like love and nurturing to bring it to life, which is kind of to me like reflective of that, um, like mentoring being a two two way street and we all have a part to play in creating the right conditions 
maybe you could have um, a reveal. It could be a reversible hoodie potentially, like kind of go. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and to go on like what Nia was saying before, I did mention to Nia um, just the other day. We we're on a phone call, and I had like you know between the stage of like falling asleep and then waking up and then like kind of resting your eyes, and you kind of had these visions and ideas. That's basically when this concept of like somebody dropping seeds came into my mind, and so I woke up and I like immediately started sketching it. It's a very very rough sketch. Um, but I like had to get it out onto something, um, and yeah, that's kind of where the idea came from. Really, it just stems from like um, I had this vision. I was like, right, something's told me I need to put this onto something. So I I did it, and um, yeah, I just thought it was very interesting that that you know what can be learnt from that as well. Yeah, maybe maybe we've got the um, maybe the hand could be on the the end of the fabric with the seed sort of dropping around and then when you go into the hood like so the outside might be playing with an iridescent letter on the back and then the hand could be down on the um on the cuff of the sleeve and then inside might be this fractal world tree land like the inside of our minds or the world so maybe maybe inside is just sort of like completely wonderfully um mad Yeah, yeah. I hope this isn't too corny, but like, I, I guess like this is really what I, I got in my head is um, it's like you know, for me, it's, it's really important that um, you know, when we speak to kids, that we're speaking to them on a on their level. So like, like I said, that's why I love like when a CEO comes down and, and gives time to someone. Um, it's not a us and them, or it's not like, hey, I'm so much better than you, but it's, it's someone that's just coming to show that hey, I'm so interested and invested in you, and um, you know, I've been in your position. I've uh, you know, and, and this is how I, I got up. So. I really, I guess in my head, what I pictured was kind of like two people kind of facing each other and it could just be kind of like a, um, like a shadow outline doesn't have to be like detailed, but like kind of like, so you don't even know who's like, who's what or whatever, like if it's a kid or whatever, but then, and then just, just um, like their words come together into like a, you know, like a speech bubble, but like maybe, maybe a heart is too corny, but like maybe some sort of like, um, I'm still trying to picture what the shape could be, but then just having some words in there of like, um, you know, like things like belief and and and, and dreams and, and and just starting to like, um, you know, just 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 to open up those conversations with these kids. Uh, honestly, uh, um, New Zealand is, is definitely um, is definitely we're, we're built on all, all different cultures, and I would really love to see like not just English, but like um, a lot of representation from like Maori words. Um, so like. You know, we say conversation, but if you put in like corridor, um, oh, like there's so many, yeah, there's so many words that we could just um, easily interchange and, and have some of that uh, mixed up in there. And maybe like you could have like every color is like, so say red is a sign color for one word. So in English, it'd be like conversation, but then, or dream or whatever. But then in, in Māori, it would still be that same word, but in red. So I would like to have a dark colored hoodie with splashes of color. Um, kind of like paint ink just splashed on um, really hot neon colors like maybe like hot yellow hot pink um, orange on maybe like a dark blue or dark black um, background and I also wanted I had this idea where we had little caterpillars and little butterflies like just smooshed on or maybe they can be like sewed on separately like you know how you sew buttons on you can sew like little motifs on um, because I think what we come in to aim 
um, we come in as little caterpillars and then we end up as butterflies when we leave the program. And we're not just the students, but the ambassadors as well. Because we go, like, I would go in and just be like, I don't know what's happening. And then two years later, I'm like, wow, I know so much. I've met so many amazing people. My life has changed. So it's not just the students that that go from caterpillars to, to butterflies. It's everyone. What are your real dreams for for yourself in this uh, role of, of Vice Chancellor of Imagination University, for you as an ambassador of equality, what it what are you dreaming and what energy do do you hope to pour into this hoodie that we can hopefully capture? Yeah, um, for me and my children as well, um, I want to get to a space where I want to see a time where there's no negative um, association when stories are told about Indigenous Australians and um, when people get a better understanding of what it is to be Indigenous or what our culture looked like, a better understanding of that, I think um, that could possibly happen and it won't just be me and my children that benefit from that. It'll be it's First Nations people from all over the planet that have this knowledge and this way of thinking as well. So, yeah, that's under where I'm working towards. Um, I have a question for you as well, Jack. All right, well, let's finish up with a question. Yeah. Um, so you have a, a daughter who's not yet in primary school. Yes, yeah, um, three, three and a half, yep. yeah. You've worked with high school students trying to change this system for the last uh, 18 years. What does her high school look like in an ideal world for you? I think teachers are trying their best. I think kids are trying their best. I think parents are trying their best. Um, I think that we've inherited um, some some programs and some lessons which are like basic fundamentals, which are, are sometimes helpful. I think maths and science can be helpful. I just hope that there's a little bit more colour and light for the space in between. And I think most classrooms, if you think about a lighthouse, the lighthouse is sort of shining on 17 out of the 25 students. And I just hope that we can put in a couple of filters to that lighthouse so it just generates a pink light and a purple light um, out to the edges. So you actually can speak with a different light and, and, and engage with a different energy so the lighthouse lights up the whole classroom. That's what I'd love to see for, for my um, my daughter's schooling experience and and then also know that schools are everything. So, like, I'm not... I, I, we have to put responsibility on everything that we've done from nine till three in the afternoon. It's pretty good that kids get looked after so we can go and do work. You know, we need a hand. So there's some there's some basic stuff that schools have to do. And, you know, will, will my daughter be reasonably safe? Like, if someone tries to hurt her or, like, is there processes to support someone like if someone bullies my daughter will there be places where she can make friends are there heaps of things that happen which aren't designed in a curriculum yeah and then there's all the space in between outside of class catching the bus or moving different places or where you go to school or experiences you have and I just I, I think the the long answer to to you know a short question um is I think we should all be ambassadors of equality. And I think if we all embrace natural laws of passing on knowledge, if we all see a responsibility to be mentors for kids in our in our communities and in communities outside of where we live, if we think about 
networking in ways where we're not just looking after our own, then schools will schools will be rich, but more importantly, life will be richer. All these kids have all these hidden talents um, and things that like they, they haven't really given time to grow because they feel like maybe I have to go and support my family and get into a job. But if people can um can come in and have this one-on-one time, and if we have people that are, are going in and, and like getting kids to explore things like whether it's dance or whether it's um, art or whether it's music or or things that um you know that that they just you you wouldn't think of like oh that's a career or that's something that I could do. Um, so I really think it's important that we yeah that we get people in there and um, take the time to sit with these kids and, and find out what their their passions are. I made so many relation like amazing relationships with my students in Japan. Um, I think the most important thing is to give them a lot of respect. Uh, I try to t- um, treat them the same as I would treat someone my age. And I think they really noticed that because a lot of teachers would be like, I'm here and you're here below me. But I tried to be like, we're, we're equal. I think that's what they really liked about me, just the fact that I treated them the same as I would treat someone my age. So I think that's the most important thing, respect. What do you want ambassadors to to feel when they see the people that are purchasing this hoodie? What do you want them to feel? When people are purchasing this hoodie to support the ambassadors, I want the ambassadors to feel like they have more people on their team. I want them to feel like when they are trying to explain their vision and have people support them, that they're not alone. Um, A lot of the time I feel like when people give up, for me at least, is because there's just you're talking into like an echo chamber and no one believes you, no one hears your story, no one um, thinks that it can be done and all of that becomes like your own narrative as well if you let it. So I just want them to have the understanding that people get you, they they know what you want to achieve and they believe that you can do this. The word that just springs to mind is possibility, you know, how we can, um, you know, what an honour it is to have a role as someone that is, is you know, might be able to sit with pain and possibility in the same hand and, um, you know, the, the, the opportunities and um, magic that kind of being able to sit with those two things opens up and just you know supporting people to see themselves through the lens of possibility and the world and each other through the lens of possibility. I think for me there's just so much room for imagination and like getting to I guess collaborate and learn new ways of you know making the world more fair and bringing more justice Um, that's what I get from it. Yeah I agree with both Aston and Mia I think that sense of possibility like, um, kind of creates a sense of belonging within the community and um, just to bring everyone together. And that's what we want, kind of uniting everyone. You know, just having someone that, you know, could talk to me and, and like, and really believe and like, even just bouncing off ideas of like, you know, I want to do this and that and like, and really believes in, in those people and, and, and doesn't put any barriers in their way or put any walls around them and saying like, oh no, but you can't do this. Like, and just, and just, I guess what I'm really passionate about is that uh, people in schools would know that there's, you know, that, 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 that they're not just confined and 
So any restrictions around, you know, if they can't afford books or if they can't afford to go to school, you know, that, that just really breaks my heart. And so if there's any way that I, we can come in and support uh, people in that situation, I'd be yeah, super keen. Just to be a, a part of other people's lives in a really sort of fun and cool way. Um, obviously, we're here to just support and we're here, um, just being here is enough. This is a space where people can feel like they are enough. And that was, oh my God, I feel like I'm gonna cry now, but I feel like that's the best advice that you gave me is that what I have is enough and um, all the rest of it will work itself out because I'm super committed to um, overcoming the challenges. Like I know what it kind of takes to get through it on a personal level. Um, but yeah, I'm also really optimistic, which is hard sometimes when I'm talking to some people who are really struggling to finding that balance with it. But um, yeah, thanks for all your advice and leadership and just uh, believing in me as well. It's an absolute pleasure. And yeah, maybe we leave that somewhere under the hoodie that you're enough. Thanks, Steph. Thanks for joining thanks, us on Make Ever of a Hoodie podcast. Let's go um, ramp it up with some wonderful ambassadors around the world.